Hey everyone, welcome back to You Ask For It. It's a podcast where we answer questions. Sometimes it's questions that people send into us. Other times it's questions that we're looking at with doctrine or the Christian life. And today we're going to look at a very practical question that we think is helpful for all Christians. And it's this, how do you deal with habitual sins in your life? How do you deal with habitual sins in your life? You see, the truth is we all sin, don't we? Every single one of us. But there's certain sins that seem to have a hold upon us. These are what, what could be called besetting sins. We, this comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read you the CSB and then look at one more translation. It says, Therefore, since we ha- also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. The King James Version translates the second part of this verse, the sin which doth so easily beset us. It's where you get the term besetting sins. Now, in speaking of these these sins, habitual sins, we need to remember that all sin by nature is enslaving. Um, Jesus in John 8, 34 says, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. We felt the effects of that. There's no, there's no getting out of sins often, right? And we can see the proof of that in many, in, in many ways today, specifically, how about on our streets? If you look at most homeless people, they're there because of addictions such as alcohol or drugs. But we face many other addictions in our world today. For instance, um, pornography has probably become the most widespread addiction there is in our world. And what's so scary about pornography is that they've looked at cocaine and they've looked at pornography and they've seen that it, 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 it hits the same areas of our brain. So when someone does cocaine, certain areas of your brain lights up and they've noticed it's those same areas when it comes to pornography. Mm. You know, that, that is sad. It? And, and sin does so easily beset us. Talking about the, the homelessness, and it breaks my heart to see folks, but if you look, the majority of those are there because no matter what money the government might give them, you might give them, they're going to choose meth over food. They're, they're, that's how, what a grip this has on their lives with that, that habitual sin. Now, when it comes to us Christians, I think there's a warning too. And I want to share with you an interesting passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It says, don't give the devil an opportunity in the CSB. The NIV says, don't give the devil a foothold. But the King James, and it's the one that's more accurate on this verse, it says, don't give a place to the devil. The Greek word is the word topos. We get our word topography. You know, if you've got a topographical map, it shows you how it's shaped and you're looking at a specific place in geography. And so here's Paul and he says, don't you let the devil have any place in your life or the NIV foothold in your life. Uh, I heard a story about a man that lived in the Caribbean and he had a, a, a house that he put on the market for a price that nobody could believe. It was so low. And so somebody came up and said, is that the real price? He said, yeah, that's the real price. I'll sell it to you now. But I've got one provision. You see this hook by the door? I get to keep the hook, and I can put something on the hook. But but the whole rest of the house is yours. So the man bought the house, and as soon as he moved in, the man hung a dead animal on the hook. And then when that finally rotted, he put another dead animal on the hook. And eventually, the person that bought the home abandoned the home. Because there was one place left for that previous owner. And so we've got to be careful that we don't give the devil that foothold, that place. 
I was telling you, Pastor Steve, about when I was in college, I saw kind of firsthand effects of giving something or someone a place. my roommates and I were playing basketball at the student center one night and there was a guy who was just shooting basketball by himself and us being young guys wanting to tell people about Jesus. We're like, Hey, why don't, you, why don't we invite that guy to come play with us? We need another guy to play five on five. And so we played with him and we're like, man, we're going to get a great opportunity to witness to this guy. Well, what we did not realize is that that one moment exploded into something so much more. We invited him the next day over to our apartment and I was blown away that he was able to eat as much food as what he had when he was at our house that time. I'm thinking, I got no money and you're eating everything I got. Well, then there was another problem. There was a trail that connected where my apartment was, kind of like the Greenway, a paved trail to where his dorms were. And what that meant is he then knew how to get to our apartment. And so it turned to every single day he was showing up at our door, which oftentimes we would just leave unlocked. And he'd come in, go straight to the fridge and just get everything out that he wanted to eat. And I'm like, what is going on? It got to where we could do nothing about it. And the reason it got there is we gave him the place (laughs) and he took every bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then the question is how, so these, these besetting sins, something that every one of us deal with, how then do we become free of them? How do we free ourselves from the enslavement of these sins? We want to offer you maybe five ways today to be free. And the first one is this. You have to claim the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 3, it says, Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, the chains of sin are something that's too strong for you and I on our own to try to defeat. You cannot do it. The only way you're going to get rid of those chains is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one great example of how the power of the Holy Spirit helps in this is that if you look at many Christian recovery centers, what you see is that they base very much, I mean, the whole recovery process around the Holy Spirit's work in their life. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's been a study recently done and it's shown that they looked at... Um, Teen the, Challenge and Adult yeah. Challenge, the David Wilkerson, Cross the Switchblade, his, his stuff. They looked at his, his places, and what they saw was that 78% of those who went through those organizations ended up being free from the addictions that they had. They were able to function again. 78%. That's pretty incredible. That's, that's huge. Now, they, the government has stats on their drug and rehab um, facilities, and what they've seen is they've had 66% um, come through that, which is still an incredible number. Um, you've got 78%, 66%, but there's a reason why even there's 66% um, success rate. And it's because if you look at almost every 12-step process, Involved in those 12-step processes is people turning their lives over to a higher power. And if you study most people who've gone through that, almost, I mean, many of them, they give their lives to the Lord. And so what gives involved in that point is the Holy Spirit. I was reading about Matthew Perry today on the news, and, and you know he had the alcohol problem, and he went to the point where he crashed, and he said, I went and called out to God, and God came in. He said, God was real to me. And so he, so that being in the 12 steps said, you can't do this on your own. You've got to turn your life over to the Lord. So, so folks, you can't break besetting sins on your own. Second thing that you can do is make changes in your life to distance yourself from this temptation. Here's a very important verse, Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, I'll read several translations here. NIV, don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. 
the old Holman said, make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. The new living says, don't let you think about ways, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So, so what you've got to do if you're going to break a besetting sin, you've got to put some distance there. You've got to get to the point where you can't even think about it. I, when Rome crossed the British Channel to go from Europe to take Britain, the first thing that the Roman general did was he ordered all the boats that they had used to come across the channel to be burned. And he basically told his troops, we will conquer or we will die. There is no going back. And there's a sense in which we've got to burn some boats if we're going to take care of these habitual sins. There's another verse of scripture that's been very helpful for me that I've pretty much clung to since I was in college. And it's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation has come upon you except uh, what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. You know, when we're in that besetting sin and we're struggling with that temptation, oftentimes it feels like there is nowhere to go, right? It it feels like we are stuck in that place. This verse says that that is not the case, that he will provide us a way out. There's always a way out when it comes Mm -hmm. to our sin, right? And, And that's one thing I've tried to study for my own life. What is the way out? If I know the areas that I struggle the most, there's usually something that gets me out of that way to separate myself from them. Another thing you can do to build on this is just make it hard to do your habitual sin. So if, if watching something, whether it's on your phone or TV or something, is what's very difficult for you, maybe it means putting your phone or your TV in a situation where you're just not alone with it. Right? You make it difficult. Your spouse is there. Your family's there. It makes it difficult for you to do that. And then something else that might have to happen is sometimes to get away from that besetting sin, it means you might have to change your friends. Amen. Amen. It changed the people you hang out with. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. You know, for instance, I'm talking about put some distance there. If you're addicted to drinking, don't go to places where alcohol is served. You're going to have to change where you go on Friday and Saturday night. Back in the Wild West in the 1800s, there was a man who was a drunk, and every Saturday he'd get on his horse, go into town. He had the hitching post that he put his horse on every single Saturday right outside the saloon, go in there and get drunk. Then he got saved. And went a, a quite a long time without getting drunk. But every Saturday, out of habit, when he went back into town, he still put his horse right in front of the saloon. And then one day he went back in because he didn't change hitching posts. And I think that's one of the things we're going to have to practically do. You know, this isn't in our notes, but I was just thinking about this with this. Have you seen the news about the attacks that are coming on the new um, Speaker of the House, uh, yeah. Mike Johnson? Because what's, what he's being attacked with is this, that he has, he was talking about the benefits that's of right. covenant eyes yeah. on, um, was, I don't know if it was his phone or his son's phone or something. Both of them. Both of them. And what it is, is basically a, um, a search software that you could put on to where it just, it naturally sc- sends screenshots to an accountability partner so that someone can see what it is that you're searching. But what's interesting is, is so many of the media are attacking him. Of yeah. like, how dare he, you know, what, who does he think he is doing something like this? What it is, is he's trying to separate himself. He's trying to find the way out mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. himself. That's very practical. Now, number three, third way that we can get away, that we can try to get rid of these besetting sins is to memorize appropriate scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 11 
One of my favorite verses says, the word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. I memorized the version of, I've, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the ESV version. It's one that I've held on as well since college of the importance of the word being there. Why? You see, spiritual warfare is what we face, every one of us. And we know that we have the armor of God, you know, something that, God, that, that guards our head, that guards our hearts. But we don't just have defensive armor. We're also told that we have a weapon And that weapon is the sword of the spirit, the word. And what we're called to do is hide that word in our hearts so that we can then wield that word to fight the evil one when sin comes upon us. And so memorizing scriptures is like basically preparing yourself up to battle against Satan. Um, A a verse that you can use if you're battling impure thoughts, or I would even say if you're battling just, if you're battling anxiety or thinking lowly is Mm -hmm. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. I love this. What's the, what's the weapon? Think upon what is true, mm. what is commendable, and that then becomes the weapon for your heart. Amen. My, my wife struggled with fear. Her Dad was a traveling salesman, so he was gone all week long. His mo- her mother was extremely fearful. And so anytime that there was a noise that she heard during the night, she went and got all four kids and put them in bed with her. I mean, just but if she saw something on TV, she was certain that was going to happen to her children. So she was raised in that atmosphere of fear, and it was really crippling. And I didn't realize how strong it was until after we were married. But Karen really was gripped by that spirit of fear. Uh, when we got that little country church, we didn't have any machinery. So there was a group of 20 ladies that met once a week to have prayer and Bible study together. And they made Karen the scripture memory chairperson, which meant her job was to get four by six cards and write five verses down on them. And they were to memorize them and they picked topics. Well, one of the topics was on fear. And so Karen had to memorize 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. Uh, Joshua 1, 9, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. The Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. As she memorized these verses on fear, God began to root that fear out of her life. I mean, when we first got there, I had to go into town to get a couple ready for baptism, and it, it was dark. And we lived, our church was in, in an open field, coyotes howling, Tarantulas came out at dusk. It was, it was that kind of area. And so I was in town. This is way before cell phones. I was in town, and we just I was having a great time talking to this couple. And all of a sudden, the phone rang, and she said, I want to remind you that it's darker in the country than it is in the city. And that was her way of saying, come home. But as God took his word and rooted this out of life, I knew one day that it really worked because we were taking our evening walk, and the tarantulas came out at dusk, big old ugly things. And, you know, she was scared to death. The first time we, we drove by one, I just stopped and lowered her window. <laughs> Look there, huh? <laughs> Which, not necessarily, I should be in that marriage seminar right now. Anyway, but, uh, but we were walking and she saw one. She walked up and kicked it. I said, she's free. She's free. <laughs> Have a, my roommate in college was a guy who was super shy. In fact, he had never had a date all the way through high school. And so I felt like one of my duties as his roommate was to get him a date. I mean, that's, it's, got, it's in there somewhere. 
you know, you, 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 you play matchmaker. That's so bearing one another burdens, right? Bearing there. Well, something like that. So I picked out this cute girl that was in our college ministry, and I found out she was moving from her home in town to the dorm. I said, Duke, let's go help her. And so he was had a handful of her stuff, and we were walking into the dorm. And I just, a very innocent comment. I said, doesn't that look natural? He got so shy, he climbed a tree. I had to get her to go inside so that, so that, that he would come down from the tree. So here he was, that shy. So he wanted to, everybody else was like, so he wanted to say, how do I talk to people? So what he saw was, in that day in the 70s, the popular sitcoms, they always threw out barbs at each other. They always gave out insults. So he started memorizing insults because he didn't know how else to do conversation. So he was going around insulting everybody all the time and leaving people bleeding. So our discipleship leader said, here's some verses to memorize. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which brings grace to the hearer. There's a word that's like the thrust of the sword, but the word of the wise becomes healing. And you know what he did? He went out and bought a compliment book (laughs) to memorize compliments. That's good. How about number four? Fourth thing you can do is to replace that sin with something positive. Uh, Let me read you these verses from uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. And interesting, basically, use your body as a weapon for righteousness. And so some ways that when we were in college, we would try to you know combat stuff like this is if we knew one of us was going to be in the room for a while, it was, hey, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go walk the trail, right? You know, if I walk the trail, I am taking this time, redeeming it for good. For me, I love lifting weights. And so in college, the way I kind of tried to redeem my time to use my body for righteousness was I got it. I was the weird guy in college who got up at 445 in the morning and um, spent time in the word, then was at the gym by six. And then I would go to class and I was going to make sure I was going to redeem as much time as I possibly could. And I'll tell you, I look pretty good in college. Steve. <laughs> I mean, I was, I mean, just and add that to your humility. It was it. A really a killer you. thing. Sarah was like double whammy right there with that. No, yeah. So, uh, and, and my goal was this. I worked, I worked myself hard in the morning. I, I, want, I want to do these times. So I was so tired at night, I just went to sleep. Now I got two boys and I'm just always tired. And so uh, it makes it a little harder. But I said, how do I redeem this time? And what I found is, one, when I was working out, as I was reading the word, it gave me time to meditate on the word. And so I was, it was almost like this way I really redeemed my time there. And so that's one thing that, that is really helpful for us is what is the time? Time that we're using for the sin, how do we redeem that? You replace use it for righteousness. It's yes. just the, the instrument you would have used for sin. Use it for righteousness. Yes. So you, you replace things like that's why we have youth ministries. Absolutely. You know, we want to see kids who would be tempted to go to the wrong. I'd rather them have something to go to at the church mm-hmm. than have the temptation to go to the wrong things. When I was working in after school program, some of those students said, "Like I come here because I know if I go to downtown to Main Street, I'm going to get in trouble." And mm. so them coming to Crosswalk was their way out. Amen. That's a good, good, good duty and a purpose of that particular thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that's this is one of the keys. You don't just say, "I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it." I'm not. You've got to replace it. 
Uh, I had the privilege in Oklahoma leading the country honky-tonk band leader to Christ. Uh, he accepted Christ on Wednesday, quit his, quit his band on Friday, and got baptized on Sunday. But I knew he had, that had been a huge part of his life. We didn't have any kind of music at this little country church. So Don Les said, let's start a Christian country group here at our church. And so every Sunday, we'd work during the week. We'd come up with a good country song. Can y'all imagine my operatic wife having to learn to sing country harmonies uh, with, with a country group? She actually did it. Never again, but she did it. And, uh, but I knew if I didn't get him something with that guitar, that guitar would be, be used by the devil once again. One of the big things is what we watch. There's, there's so much it's just plain filthy that's available now that can come right into your living room. Uh, one of the things that you need to do is say, if I've got a problem watching the wrong things, find something whole, uh, wholesome. And there are things that are wholesome. I've become the biggest fan of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> Nobody takes their clothes off. Nobody cusses. Somebody gets killed, that's fun. But... Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> But, you know, if I have to go, I've watched Mannix, I've watched Barnaby Jones, you, you know, there's, uh, you can find all that stuff now. And, and so um, d- just replace, r- replace things with things that are wholesome. Now, the last thing, and I'll close with this and turn it over to Justin. The fifth step in getting rid of habitual sins is get an accountability partner. If you have a struggle, have somebody say, walk with me with this. Back in the uh, 80s, I was leading a Master Life, which is a discipleship group uh, on, in, in an Air Force Base town, Warner Robins, and I had a pilot, and the government would send him off for two or three months, and he had the highest standards. Uh, they, he didn't have cable in his home because he didn't want his kids exposed to the wrong things. And I mean, just this guy lived with the highest ethical standards and for what he watched, but they always put him in hotels, and every hotel had HBO, Hell's B.O., and so he would, he would cut. He said, he said, preacher, I need your help. I need your help. When I come back in town after the government sends me off, I want you to look me in the eye at the, at the step of the church and ask me this question. Did you win the battle in the hotel? He said, knowing that you're going to ask me that will help me be spurred on to win in that battle. Yeah, I think one thing for all of us to remember is, you know, and we've said it here that if you're going to fight sin, you can't fight sin on your own. It's just impossible. And you're going to need two things. One, you're going to need the Holy Spirit, as we said. As we just said here, you're going to need other people. And without those two things, you're not going to be able to do it. And so if you're here or if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to do this Christian life on your own, trying to mm-hmm. navigate sin, you're not going to be able to do it. I'm just telling you. And that's not me being a downer. It's just me being true. And so what I would ask you to do is maybe find some people who could, um, maybe it's at a church. If you're not at a church, go to a church, but then find a small group, find a Sunday school class and find some people who can really pour into you and, and help you grow. Hey, thank you for, for joining us for this episode of You Asked For It. I hope it's been helpful for you and um, stay connected because we'll be with you again next week.